the Truth News Network. Standing tall before the storm, TNN, the Truth News Network. Guts, glory, Dan. Wow. That's just kind of rough around the edges, isn't it? Plain and to the point. Guts, glory. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. The day after Father's Day, boy, I hope you had a great weekend. I hope all you children out there found Dad, whether he lives in the same city as you or not, and that you made him know how much you appreciate who he is. Maybe you've had some problems with your dad. Most of us have at one time or another. And by the time we become adults, oh my gosh, it's almost like um, I've talked to people that said, yeah, I figured out how to live my life and create a family and be happy. I just did everything opposite of the way my dad did. I've seen and heard those. And then there's a, there are those of us that had some rough times from time to time, but we just pushed through it. And uh, we have a good relationship with our dads. My dad passed away several years ago, and I was one of those rough riders. But I tell you what, I was with my children and grandchildren yesterday, and I had a fabulous day. They celebrated me, and I always love it when I get to celebrate them. Six grandkids, and they're all perfect, absolutely perfect, nothing wrong with a single one, and why would there be? After all, I reminded all six of them yesterday, they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. (laughs) Anyway... We've got a big week ahead of us, and it starts with a really big day here at TNN Live. Let me just touch on it. Hadn't uh, talked to all of you, but starting last Monday, every show, every TNN show is converted automatically to a podcast by Apple and by Spotify. And so within an hour after the show goes, you can go to Apple Podcast. It's on your iPhone. It's that little pink app that says podcast. You can click on that and just put TNN Live in the search bar. It'll take you right to that show every day. You don't have to do anything, but just go bam, and there it is. Same thing happens on Spotify. And of course, at any time, you can always go to our website, truthnewsnet.org, and go to the player page, the one that you go to to start each day's show when you listen. Down at the bottom, there's a bunch of hyperlinks, dates, And all you do is click on the day of the show that you want to hear. It is a hyperlink, and bam, you go right to the show. You can listen to it there, download it, whatever you want to do. We don't charge anything. A lot of people say, yeah, people don't appreciate stuff they get for free, Dan. You might ought to think about starting to charge for those services. Not going to do it. This is your website. This is your show. This is your stories that are carried every day at truthnewsnet.org. And speaking of that, folks, probably uh, the most emotional in a while of stories that I've penned for truthnewsnet.org is live now this morning. I'm not going to go into the entire show here, uh, entire article here. I just want to make you aware. Don't go through the day without, if you haven't already, go over and take a, a look at that story. It's when is enough too much. <laughs> I think you probably get the gist of where that goes. And we're going to get into a little bit of it on a piecemeal basis because the stories we're going to discuss today here with you and for you are about a lot of the little elements that are part of that sense that many of us have. When is enough? Too much. Um, 
you're going to enjoy it, I think. It, it'll challenge you to think. It gives you some understanding of a few things that have just kind of hung up in the air as question marks. Does that ever happen to you? Boy, it happens to me a lot. I hear stuff, I see stuff, and I think, my goodness, what is this all about? What does this mean? What is What, how, what should I do about it? Not having answers to real legitimate questions really makes it tough and especially tough when you don't know where to go to get the answers. So be sure you check that out today. And of course, at any time during any show here, we welcome, love for you to call in and share your thoughts, ask us questions, join conversations. Toll free, 866-TRUTH. That's 866-378-7884. Now remember, when you call, this is not broadcast radio. This is internet, internet streaming. And we don't have a dump button, so when you call, please, don't get into the profanity, okay? We don't have the FCC looking over our shoulders, but we do have other people that are very concerned and want to be uh, peaceful with each other here (laughs) at TNN Live. So while we were all celebrating Father's Day, the pinwheel continued to turn up in the Potomac Valley. And the Sunday talk shows were, I mean, just ablaze with all kinds of partisan thuggery, Democrats going crazy about legislation that's pending before the Senate, a bunch of things that they screamed and hollered about. We're going to get into some of those. We're going to start with um, what Bernie Sanders, old Bernie, two-time presidential candidate and a senator, what he had to say over the weekend about something pretty significant, and it's about the the pending voting bill in front of the Senate. They're about, we think, to take that bill up this week, and I think by the end of the week, we're going to know if we're going to have a federal election system or the way it's always been since the inception of that, you know, that Constitution thing where the states have sole control over their election processes. Nancy Pelosi The hard left and the Democrat Party want the federal government to take it over, and we all know why. Nobody will disagree. The single purpose is so that they can firmly cement the ability to manipulate elections forever, determining at the political level, not the voting election level, where voters are the ones that determine the future of those who govern us. They want people that are in power in Washington already to be able to make those determinations at every level. We're talking about legislative. We're talking about who lives in the White House and also who serves on the Supreme Court and every other federal court. They want to take that out of the people's hands. And their justification is, well, look what happened. Look, Donald Trump cheated 2016. He stole that election. Vladimir Putin helped him beat Hillary Clinton. And of course, they don't even want to point to any type of irregularity that happened last November 3rd in the 2020 election in which there was rampant irregularities and you can't even mention it or you'll get canceled. There are people like us here. We know that stories we publish, things that you hear us say here. Remember I told you, This show and what I'm saying right now goes up within a couple hours on Apple, not a real conservative social media company, would you think? And because it is Apple, Facebook, Twitter, 
Amazon, they're all private corporations. Um, they can edit, they can editorialize, they can restrict, they can cancel anything that shows up there, and they don't even have to give us justification legally. It's a private entity. We can do what we want to with it. So people just don't don't talk about in public, on television, on radio, on satellite radio. People don't want to talk about the November 3rd problem. And, of course, the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol, OMG. The only people that can talk about it are people that have helped build and perpetuate the narrative that it was evil, wicked Donald Trump that incited all of that. It was planned. The white supremacists got together with their buddy in the White House, and they're the ones that did it. And they continue, including our current president, to say that cops were killed by white supremacists on January 6th. We're going to weigh into that a little bit. But let's go back to Uncle Bernie. Bernie was on the Dana Bash show on CNN yesterday. It's called State of the Union. And Senator Sanders made a broad sweeping allegation we've heard a lot about, and that is that Republican legislatures and governors are trying to deny people of color, young people, poor people, all of them, the right to vote. So Dana Bash weighed in. Let's turn to voting rights. The Senate's going to vote on Tuesday on a sweeping bill that will most certainly be blocked by Republicans. She said uh, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia is proposing a narrower voting plan which still seems to have a lot in it for Democrats. There are things like a ban on partisan gerrymandering, restoring key parts of the Voting Rights Act. Stacey Abrams says she can absolutely support it. Do you? Interesting. Hard question, yes or no, right? Well, Sanders didn't give Dana a yes or no. He said, Dana, you said there seems to be a lot in it for Democrats. That's not the way I look at it. What we are trying to do is preserve democracy. And what Republican legislatures and governors are doing in the most disgraceful way imaginable is to try to deny people of color, young people, poor people, the right to vote, people with disabilities. That is outrageous. And he wasn't through there. We could disagree on all kinds of issues, he said. Taking away the right of people to participate in American democracy is, you know, acceptable. And Congress must address that in any and every way. Also, in my view, we had a deal with dark money in politics. The power of billionaires, that dark money to buy elections. We got to deal with gerrymandering. I will go as far as I possibly can to create a vibrant democracy in America and take on those Republicans who are trying to undermine democracy. And he added, I'm open to do everything I possibly can to protect American democracy. Let me tell you something. This is an enormously serious issue. So Bernie Sanders is supposed to be one of the most brilliant minds in the U.S. Senate. Dana Bash has never been accused of being a brain child, but nevertheless, The day before, he says, Senator Sanders says they're going to vote in the Senate on this overhaul of the voting system, and he's making these sweeping allegations, blaming Republicans for wanting to pretty much destroy the election capabilities, eligibilities, possibilities for anybody that's not a registered Republican. That's what his claim is. No evidence, no examples, no specifics 
that's what these Democrats have been doing since this bill first got given sunshine, both in the House and in the Senate. Nobody will bring in any specific explanation to justify any of these allegations that are being made. Now, in just a moment, we're going to segue to another two-part story, and it kind of tag-teams with what is sticking out in the Senate conversation now, back and forth between Democrats and Republicans, on what's bad, what's good in the voting bill and Joe Manchin's kind of substitute bill he's put out there for consideration. And nobody will talk about the specifics of the evils in the desired and in the case of 13 states already debated some passed and signed into law election overhaul. The only thing that any of them will say, and the reason they say it is because they want every person of color, every member of a minority entity in the United States, I'm not talking just about skin color, I'm talking about every minority, they want those people to believe that anybody that wants to do anything regarding elections, new laws, changing old laws, the only reason those people, being those who want the change, The only reason they possibly could want it is to restrict the voting capabilities of people that they don't identify with. And in Bernie's way of putting it, those evil Republicans. No examples. Nobody even talks about what Georgia did. That's the egregious law that was so political, Stacey Abrams couldn't win the governorship there. She never said she lost fair and square. In fact, to this day, she said she was cheated out of becoming the governor of Georgia because of voter suppression. Georgia. Nobody wants to talk about the changes. When you dig into the Georgia voting law, it's been signed into law, and you look at the details, it actually expands in massive ways the ability for everybody, no matter of skin color, no matter of ethnicity, no matter of where you work or if you don't work at all, no matter of disabilities, it makes it easier for everybody to vote. But yet to this day, the left screams to the mountaintops, voter suppression, voter suppression, voter suppression. Oh, they can't stand that Georgia law. They don't like the fact that the Georgia law makes it permanent to have drop-off spots for those with mail-in ballots that they want to drop off. Folks, they've never had that before. Mail-in voting, for the exception of absentee voting, the old-fashioned way, there was no provision in Georgia law or in the laws of most of these other states for that. Delaware, the president's home state, you can't vote mail-in voting. You have to request and give a reason way in advance to even get an absentee ballot to send in by mail. Facts matter. And as you just heard from Bernie Sanders, truth doesn't matter to those people. They don't care. Nobody stands up from the left to call out the lies of the leaders from the left that perpetuate the fact that any tweaking, 
any changes whatsoever in voter laws are evil and are going to suppress the votes of minorities in the United States of America. Well, that's one biggie that's out there. It is a huge thing, and it'll play out tomorrow. Probably, I'm thinking, into Wednesday, maybe even Thursday in the U.S. Senate. But there have been a lot of other little things that have popped up since the last time we were together on Friday. This next one, folks, this is probably one of the scariest things that this government is involved in right now. Listen to this. One Christian nonprofit group is challenging the Internal Revenue Service after the agency denied them tax-exempt status. Listen to this. Here's the reason why. Quote, the Bible's teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and Republican candidates. Okay, listen to that again. The IRS, Internal Revenue. If you have a not-for-profit entity and you want to register to get that status so you can go attract funds, tax-deductible funds from donors that want to give to your cause, the IRS denied their application for 501c3 status. And the reasoning they gave is, quote, the Bible's teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and candidates. The name of the group is Christians Engaged. And in its founding documents that were sent to the IRS, it identifies itself, it describes itself as educational, Christian, nonpartisan, operates out of Garland, Texas, with three main goals to awaken, to motivate, and to empower ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to pray for our nation and our elected officials regularly, vote in every election to impact our culture, engage our hearts in some forms of political education or activism for the furtherance of our nation. Those are the three points of what they do. Now, they work to show Christians how to civically engage as part of their religious practice. But it doesn't promote specific political parties, no candidates, it doesn't endorse candidates, or earn money for political causes. And that's in the appeal letter to the IRS. They applied to become a 501c3 in late 2019. They received a rejection letter on May 18th of 2021, a year and a half later. And the letter came from Exempt Organizations Director Stephen Martin. And he said the group, quote, engages in prohibited political campaign intervention and operates for a substantial non-exempt private purpose and for the private interest of the Republican Party. He alleged in his letter, listen to this, the group does not meet requirements for tax exemption because biblical causes tend to favor the Republican Party. Guy actually said that. No, if you do the quid pro or the opposite, not quid pro, but the opposite of something. So here's a guy, a very powerful guy in Washington, D.C. at the Internal Revenue Service. And he basically says, well, you're a Christian group. And that means just because you're a Christian that, 
oh, by the way, I know that biblical causes tend to favor the Republican Party. You do the opposite, and it's biblical causes seem to vote against the Democrat Party. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but you get the gist. He continued. This is, this is really interesting, folks. He said this, specifically, you educate Christians, talking to this group, you educate Christians on what the Bible says in areas where they can be instrumental, including the areas of, you know, sanctity of life, the definition of marriage, biblical justice, freedom of speech, defense and borders and immigration, U.S. and Israel relations. The Bible teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and Republican candidates. So, this disqualifies you from exemption under IRC, that's Internal Revenue Code, Section 501c3. So, the First Liberty Institute, which is representing Christians engaged, sent an appeal letter to the IRS on June 16th, last week, saying that this IRS director's decision mischaracterizes the nature of the nonprofit and infringes on First Amendment liberties. From its religious perspective, the appeal says, Christian Engage provides nonpartisan religious and civic education. They focus on encouraging, educating Christians to be civically engaged as a part of their religious practice. So, spokesman for this Christians Engage group, Lee Patterson, said the decision from the IRS is strange. It's not in line with their past practices. Patterson said the IRS is discriminating based on religion. Now, you noticed at the top of this story, we told you when this all happened. Happened back in 2019. Okay, who was in power in 2019? Donald Trump administration. Letter was sent late 2019. They didn't hear from the IRS you know, get through the holidays, so into the spring of 2020, uh, nothing there, still busy. The fall of 2020, uh, 2021, May 18th. Who's in power now? May 18th, 2021. Who runs the IRS? The Biden administration. So the Trump people obviously were fine with this. They had a pile of applications. They always do. And it takes some time to get them processed. So this is the Trump administration going after the nonprofit status, 501c3 status. Folks, put this in perspective. Do you know how many charitable organizations out there are legally in place that illegally do nothing but raise money for political causes, political candidates, and they money launder them through other entities so not to lose their status. It's everywhere. Do you know how many nonprofits in the United States of America there are that were formed for specific causes, many of them good causes, some of them very political, for Islam, Islamist, Muslim people, Muslim workers that are specifically directed to further the causes of Islam and the Muslim religion. And 
and even say so in some of their founding documents, their application to the IRS. This organization has very public procedures, operational, talks about who they are, what they do, why they do it, and they very specifically do not politicize. But, but, because they're conservatives and they talk about those things, he, I could not believe he included in here, here's why we're rejecting your 501c3 status. Because you educate Christians on what the Bible says regarding areas of sanctity of life, the definition of marriage, biblical justice, freedom of speech, defense and borders and immigration, U.S. and Israel relations. And that's affiliated with the Republican Party, and that's a bad thing? It's no, it's a bad thing because somebody out there recognizes that Democrats don't promote any of these biblical ideals. And the world's on fire because the bishops in the Catholic Church, you know, the Catholic Church, it's been around for, oh, centuries? <laughs> the Catholic Church does not believe in abortion. It believes in life begins at conception. It has for centuries. They do not believe in gay marriage. Biblically, marriage is for one man and one woman. They believe in that. So you can argue with anybody that believes or doesn't believe in biblical principles. Why can you do that? Well, there's a guarantee in the U.S. Constitution, in the First Amendment, freedom of religion. So, now we got a bunch of people that are up in arms. And when I say a bunch of people, a bunch of people in government that are up in arms because the Catholic Church, they're across the board considering and probably will refuse to allow people who are pro-abortion and are Catholics to take communion in the church. So what does it mean? There is no fairness. There is no equality. If you think differently from those on the left, and when I say those on the left, I'm talking about anybody that is not conservative and doesn't want to talk about it. They want to talk about, oh, you know, we're this, we believe in this, we, we're, we're, we're wide and sweeping. We support and allow anybody and everybody to get involved in what we do, and here's why. You know the name Ted Lou? Ted Lou. Ted Lou went on a rant over the weekend against the Catholic Church, calling all U.S. bishops hypocrites and nakedly partisan for seeking to update communion guidance that could rebuke politicians like Biden and Nancy Pelosi, by the way, they're both Catholics, for supporting abortion policies. Lou dared the church <laughs> to deny him communion for his political beliefs of supporting access to abortion, the rights for couples to divorce, same-sex marriage and treatments for infertility. Next time I go to church, he said, I dare you to deny me communion. Luke questioned why 
The Catholic Church isn't targeting Republicans who backed the death penalty or those who broke their marriage vows. You are hypocrites, he said, talking to the bishops. You didn't tell Bill Barr, a Catholic, not to take communion when he expanded killing human beings with the death penalty. You know what? They had the death penalty throughout the Bible, and it was much more egregious than it is now. I mean, if you caught a woman, if they caught a woman in the Old Testament having sex with some man who wasn't her husband, they took her out outside the city walls, whatever the city was, buried her up to her neck and stoned her to death. They're hypocrites, huh? They say these things, they being the left, and they absolutely have swallowed the line, hook, line, and sinker. They believe all this stuff, folks. They're all in. And they expect everyone else. If you don't think like I am, if you don't think what I think, you're absolutely, as he said it, hypocritical. How dare you, a private institution with well-published guidelines and things the church believes in and the things they don't believe in, and nobody's forced to be a member of the Catholic Church. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and obviously Ted Lieu chose to become Catholics. When you join the Catholic Church, you don't take an oath per se, but you tell them, I agree with your tenets of faith. For the Catholic Church, they've never believed in abortion. They've never believed in same-sex marriage. They've never believed in um, sex outside of marriage. And so now, in 2021, the Catholic Church was founded in the first century A.D. Here we are in 2021, and politicians want to control religion. That's exactly why I wanted to finish this segment with this show. That's the only thing this is about, folks. This government and people in it, they want to control every aspect of your life. Everything you do. They want to pay you. They want you to give up all your money. Tax dollars. Give us that. And we're going to take care of you. But in exchange for us doing all that we do for you and want to do more because we're just big-hearted people, we're very smart, much smarter than you, we're much more powerful than you, we're much more politically connected than you, so you don't need to worry about any of this stuff. Give us your resources. Sit down and shut up and listen, and we'll tell you exactly how to live your life. Religion, you know, we got that too. You don't need to worry about that. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. Just listen to us. Same stuff happened when Jesus Christ walked the earth. The Roman Empire was doing the exact same thing. It's just the pages of the book of history have changed. And Democrats don't think anybody can look back and can go to YouTube. Jesus wasn't live on YouTube. I know that. But you can go on YouTube. You can go in history books. Wikipedia's out there as wicked as Wikipedia is. You can get a lot of information, footnotes to go look at. If you want to know the truth, you find the truth. If you don't, you won't. It's all about our own choices. Ted Lieu, 
He needs to go to school and check out what the heck is going on in his church. By jingos, I join the church. I ask them to let me join. They let me join, and then I get in and I start damning them for what they believe that I ascribe to when I came to join them. Insanity. <laughs> and it doesn't get any better. At Target, our first priority is the health of you, your families, and our team members. That's why we now require guests to wear a mask or face covering and continue to provide masks and gloves to protect our team members. Every day, we deep clean our stores and wipe down carts and baskets after every use. And you can always count on easy, contactless shopping options like drive-up and same-day delivery. We believe in always taking care, and we'll always do that for you. Learn more at Target.com slash a bullseye view. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. <laughs> it's a puppy! Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. You guys good? Mm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. He's got the inside scoop on what's really happening in D.C. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan. And speaking of what's happening in the truth, you know, you've heard Mike Stevens on our show here before. He's a pastor down in uh, Georgetown, which is a suburb on the north north northwest side of Austin, Texas. And uh, he's a longtime friend, been friends for, gosh, 30, 35 years maybe. Long time. Great guy. Great pastor. Um, you would think that pastors would love to get on the air and talk to us, but <laughs> Mike and his wife both listen to the show. They're avid listeners. And I can tell when I touch a tone when we're talking about anything specific. Uh, we were talking about this egregious voting law and how Democrats have gone crazy. And I remember at the top of the show, I said, hey, if you want to join the conversation, well, he's got Twitter. <laughs> and he busted out the Twitter account. And when he, we were talking about this, uh, the Democrats going crazy over this voting bill, he tweeted, Democrats want to change our voting and move it to Washington because they are losing the black vote. This is their backdoor way of taking the black vote away because it's no longer Democrat. 
What a salient conclusion there. And then he added one sentence. This is punishment for those who left the Democrat plantation. Wow. Right on. That's exactly what's going on. You see the same thing going on in the second segment of that first part. Ted Lieu brings it up about the bishops, the Catholic bishops, because those people, those people being the Catholic church that these other people like Nancy Pelosi and and, uh, Joe Biden and, of course, Ted Lieu, they joined voluntarily. They ascribed to the beliefs and the tenets of the Catholic church and because now they decided to leave the plantation, these people, the Catholic Church hasn't changed. They've changed. Well, what do you mean, Dad? They've always held these beliefs. Joe Biden was pro-life for decades. Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, pro-life for decades. Barack Obama and Michelle Obama pro-life but yet when it got specifically mandatory for them to get into Democrat party leadership and national government they walked across the line they left their previous beliefs the Catholic Church, Church hadn't changed a thing but yet you can't acknowledge that you changed oh no you can't Acknowledge that you're human. You can't admit that you're political and you don't care about the truth and what's right or what you avowed and promised in your earlier life. You can walk away from anything if you perceive there's something better by your definition, whatever that is. If I go over here and join this group or that group and I look back across where I come from and I then begin to demean them and the way they believed, you know, the way they believed, and oh, by the way, I used to believe, but I changed my mind, so they got to become evil. I'm going to make them evil. I'm going to damn them. I'm going to send them to wherever I believe they ought to go, but I'm certainly not going to ascribe to what I used to ascribe to. Massive hypocrisy. Well, let's just move along here this morning, folks. Talking about hypocrisy. Adam Schiff, back in the news. You know, I don't I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter because it, it's so stinking time demanding. It's, it just swallows up your time. But I have a few Democrats that I follow because whenever they do their stuff and get out there, I, I got to be honest with you, in some cases it's really funny. But in most cases, it's really sad. So Adam Schiff, the beginning of last week or end of the week before, I forget which it was, Adam Schiff just went nuts on Twitter about, guess who, Donald Trump. Schiff is still chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Yesterday, he came out of his whatever he lives in, and he went to CBS. He was on Face the Nation, and he went nuts after his, the current Attorney General, Merrick Garland. He's demanding a full investigation into what Schiff terms the gross abuses by former President Donald Trump of the Department of Justice. 
So the CBS anchor, John Dickerson, he asked Schiff, the DOJ under the Trump administration subpoenaed your email records. What's the latest on that? And that just opened the door. Schiff went nuts. This is something I found out from Apple. They called me a month ago. That is one issue. I had to hear from Apple and not the Justice Department. Ooh, how dare somebody at DOJ not call Adam every day and tell him everything, right? Apple told him what had gone on in the last four years, he said. The inspector general of the DOJ is doing an investigation. I talked with the attorney general about going beyond that. He needs to do a wholesale review of the last four years. And Schiff added, what happened to our committee and the members of the press, that is just a subset. The direct intervention by the president and the AG in specific criminal cases implicating the president like that of Roger Stone, one of his aides, whose sentence was reduced before he was pardoned, Michael Flynn, another presidential national security advisor whose case was made to completely go away. These are gross abuses of the independence of the Justice Department. We don't know how far they run, and our new attorney general has to find out what Adam's not mentioning. Now remember, he's on CBS So when you go on CBS as a Democrat, you don't expect any kind of pushback. You don't expect to get any kind of question about anything that you say or allege or demand. Why is that? Because the Democrat Party has a media. What media does the Democrat Party have? The media. (laughs) It's their voices. That's how they get all this trash strewn around the nation all day, every day. They give them talking points, walking points, and they'll say anything the Democrats want to say. Now, if I had been sitting in the chair across from Schiff instead of John Dickerson, here's what I have would have said. And somewhere in this conversation, um, it would have gone something like this. Well, there's a little bit more that goes to this story that probably our viewers today, Chairman Schiff, need to know. And what's that, sir? Well, this happened once before. Well, what do you mean? It happened way back a few years ago. Who in the White House budget office called Rudy Giuliani on an August afternoon? And what did they have to talk about for 13 minutes? It's unclear what legitimate purpose the president's personal lawyer would have to speak at length with the White House Office of Management and Budget. But the revelation is likely to fuel arguments from House Democrats that Giuliani, uh, Giuliani, was intimately involved in a scheme to use U.S. taxpayer dollars as leverage to advance Trump's personal political interest. You know where that came from, folks? It came from call records between White House and the Office of Management and Budget and guests who subpoenaed quietly 
behind the scenes to get access to those records and oh by the records of every Republican serving on the Intelligence Committee in the Trump administration with Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff did that, what I just told you. Adam Schiff did that with no authorization, even from the Speaker of the House or anybody on his committee, the House Intelligence Committee. He got all the phone records for everybody that was on the Intelligence uh, Committee and Giuliani and other members of the White House. So, CBS not really on the ball there or probably knew about it, just didn't give that information to John Dickerson to bring up in the conversation with Adam Schiff yesterday. So what Schiff is looking for, let me tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll move along after this. Here's what he is after. He is after Trump-Russia collusion, part two, three, whatever. It doesn't matter if it's Russia collusion, if it's Ukraine gate. We got to keep the eye in the sky on this guy, Donald Trump, because he is the epitome of evil. Don't look at anybody else, folks. We don't have time. We got to watch this guy because he is the epitome of everything bad. Don't look at us. Don't look at what we did. Don't look at what I did, of course. You know, I'm a Democrat. I'm an authoritarian. I'm the guy that was head of the Intelligence Committee. It's okay for me to break the law and issue illegal subpoenas and get private records, phone records of people in Congress, but none of them can ever talk about me. They can't release any of my stuff, and you know where this came from? When those classified hearings of that committee were going on and they were discussing very sensitive foreign policy, um, Pentagon information, stuff about foreign nations that has to be held in, and, of course, a lot of things going on back during the Trump administration that were very, very important things that came out that were supposed to be used because they were everybody in the press everybody in the nation knew about them why because in these classified hearings when they took coffee breaks or bathroom breaks it was common knowledge adam schiff would go out in the hall get in the corner get on his phone and the next day stuff that was given in that committee hearing was showing up on cnn msnbc the new york times the washington post it was coming from somewhere so that's why Adam Schiff is going crazy now because nobody knew in the Trump administration where this was coming from, but it was felonious action that was being taken by someone. And conventional wisdom was the only people that knew about these things that were being talked about were people that were in those intelligence hearings. They were happening downstairs. There was no media in the room. There were no House aides that were in the room. It was just the members of the Intelligence Committee, the group that Adam Schiff was operating. So it had to be coming from those hearings. It had to be coming out from somebody. And it wasn't giving information to the media about anything that was not negative about Donald Trump. It was all bad. There you go. When it quacks and waddles, 
It's usually a duck, and the hen that cackles the loudest is the one that laid the egg. So Adam Schiff is scared because the truth is going to come out and it's going to point a finger at him where he was complicit in releasing classified information to the media, which is every time you do it, a felony, five years in prison, $50,000 fine for each act of doing that. And it's not just exclusive to people like Adam Saturday during an appearance on CNN, Aunt Maxine, Maxine Waters, Democrat from California, she threw out this on that January 6th thing. Ho, ho, ho. Everybody knows, she said, the Trump campaign played a role in the Capitol Hill riot. They can say whatever they want to, she said. One of the things we know is we need a commission, and they are opposing a commission to find out who all was involved. Where did the money come from to send busloads of people in? Who supported them in all of this? Where was the organizing taking place? I'm told there was organizing taking place right in the Trump campaign. And so if they are really concerned about why our capital was invaded and why there was an insurrection, they would support a commission to find out. But they don't want to know because too many of them side with them and support what they have done, and they are not going to call them to task for it. In, a, in one paragraph, she just filled up a whole world that shows exactly what she and people who she represents are all about. Deflect. Deflect. Now, what is that? What are you talking about? Well, don't, don't look at what they're saying. Don't listen to what they're saying. You can't ever do it because what they're saying has nothing to do with the truth about what's going on. It seldom does. Okay, come on, folks. On this show, who was she talking with on the show at CNN? Jim Acosta, the former White House representative for CNN, the network. He was the one that was in Trump's face every day, making a real future for himself in media, he thought. I'm going to get a book. I'm going to be on news. Every network's going to have me on. I'm going to be in Trump's He was that guy. Now, the Jim Acosta during the Trump administration, if Donald Trump had ever said anything like Maxine said, he would have been in his face. He would have just embarrassed, he would have gotten himself thrown out of a hearing just so it would be an even bigger deal on CNN on the news shows. He didn't say squat. He didn't question her on any of it. Now, why would they not go into real Q&A on a national show like this. Why wouldn't they do that? They they had no intentions of doing that. Why is that? Because the people in large who listen to CNN are either, one, already diehard Democrats in the left, or two, people that are not engaged, and for a multitude of reasons, it's not a negative reason I'm saying it. I'm not pointing a finger and blaming or demeaning anybody by saying this, but there are a lot of people who are low-information voters who they just pick a place to get their news from, and whatever they hear and see, that's what they're going to believe. That's typically from those two groups or CNN's big part of their audience. And I say big only when I'm talking about percentages because very few people go to CNN anymore to get their news. Why? Because they can't rely on it. Nevertheless, 
The only thing in this conversation that matters, a real reporter, a real anchor would have confronted her at the end of it and saying, well, Congressman Waters, excuse me, Congressperson Waters, the FBI has been involved in a deep and massive investigation of that. And they've already arrested 400 people, 400 people for their wrongdoing there. They know who was there. It is known what type of people were there. So on what are you basing your allegation that there was so much more direct proof that Donald Trump was the instigator of it all and was funding it and they were supporting and sending buses in? You know, kind of like George Soros and his not-for-profit has been doing for two years in Portland, Oregon. Don't even think about that. In, in, in New York City, Black Lives Matter, busing in hundreds of people for these protests there, paying for them, Black Lives Matter, even sending them in on buses with Black Lives Matters on the side. That's a 501c3 corporation. It's illegal to do political things, but yet they do it. How do you justify that? How do you know all of this stuff that you're alleging when the facts are there that prove otherwise? No question from Acosta because Aunt Maxine was feeding the uh, feeling, feeding the, the, the monster. <laughs> I can't get that word. Feeding the monster, which is the swamp, Washington, D.C. And it's got to be fed every day because it's got to get powerful and hold on to its power doesn't want to lose any of it. So we've got to keep everybody thinking that conservatism is evil, that the only thing that we can have that's realistic and good for the nation is when everybody that doesn't think just like us, everybody's evil. They're evil. Wow. We're going to switch gears in a moment. And we're going to go down to the southern border. We're not actually going to go down there. You know, if you're anybody that's real big, high, and powerful, you don't go to the southern border. <laughs> Truth News Network's now to go down there. We're up there with the, you know, the sycophants at the top, like uh, Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi. We're not going down there. No, we're not going down there, but we're going to go there in spirit and in what we talk about, and your mind is going to be blown. It's amazing to me that so much can happen during this administration and we never hear about it. When we get it when we get it out there, it's just in bits and pieces. The stuff that's going on down there, the stuff the Biden administration is doing and allowing, if this had happened under Trump, it would be front page news on every newspaper on earth. It would be top of every news network broadcast here in the United States and overseas. None of that is happening under the Biden administration. It's being suppressed. Why? Listen closely, because it's so stinking evil. Back with that next. Real Truth, Real News, TNN, The Truth News Network. (laughs) 
Welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order, please? I'm here for the most wanted. Sorry, sir. Can you repeat that? The gang known as the Western Whopper. Ah, you mean our new Texas barbecue beef bacon and sweet Carolina Whoppers, right? Yes, I need them now. Try the new Texas barbecue beef bacon or our tasty honey mustard sauce on our sweet Carolina Whoppers at your nearest BK today. Burger King, have it your way. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 Max. Wee, wee, wee! Yeah? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. I just got a ding, just got a text, and the uh, question was, uh, you know, I don't know about, I don't know about, you know, Black Lives Matter. I think they're not a 501c3, you know, a charitable organization. They're one of those political organizations, and they're legal to do that kind of stuff. Well, you're wrong. 501c3 Corporation is what Black Lives Matter is, which means one of the critical principles that qualifies any entity to be tax exempt means that none of what you do can fund any political stuff if it is for explicit political purposes. And so when you take somebody on a bus that you charter to, let's say, from Chicago to New York and you put them up, hotels, feed them, give them all the paraphernalia with which to march, yada, 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 and they're marching for Democrat Party and Democrat candidates, that's political. And that is a direct violation of the Internal Revenue Services. They're doing it and make no bones about it. George Soros's biggest not-for-profit has been doing it for decades. Nobody gives them any heat about it. But when you have a 501c3 applying and they are a conservative religious organization, even though they have a history of not doing or getting involved in anything politically partisan, and the tenets of their charter plainly state, we refuse to do those things, and the IRS disqualifies them. What does that tell you, folks? What does that say? It says, we already live in a environment where our government, when it's under Democrat control, Democrat Party control, is way in the tank, way outside the bounds of the legal restrictions regarding campaigning, regarding contributions, and those 501c3s on that other side, the Democrat side, they are making hundreds of millions of dollars. 
Let me give you an example, and we'll move on. We're going to get to what I told you. We're going to go down south, go down the southern border. But um, back during Obama's first four years, do you remember when the big cases came up where his Department of Justice went in and they went after the big banks and some of the big Wall Street companies that were violating all kinds of financial regulations and financial laws? And under Eric Holder, the DOJ was going in and they were filing massive lawsuits against these big banks and these big, uh, big companies on Wall Street, big corporations. And I'm not talking about finding them little dollars. I'm talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. In fact, one big bank, their tab was over a billion dollars in penalties and fines to the federal government. So everybody was clapping their hands, you know, yeah, we did it, we did it, Obama did it. And so, did you ever hear about those fines those big companies paid? I mean, think about it. Billions of dollars in fines and stuff came into the federal government. One, everybody just assumed that money was going into the cash register called the U.S. Treasury to to go pay some of our debt down or go pay for some other infrastructure stuff or whatever. We thought that's what was happening. Well, first of all, listen, none of that money ever was paid in total. If it was a billion-dollar fine, it, they, they didn't never go collect it. Here's how they worked it. Obama sent Eric Holder to the heads of these banks and these companies and said, look, you don't need to let this happen anymore. We're, this was your wake-up call. If you do this again, we're going to shut you down. But we understand that you employ hundreds of thousands of people and that doing, doing that, shutting you down, would just really blow us away. So what we're going to do is we're going to slap you on the wrist this time, tell you don't do it again. And no, you're not, you're not going to have to pay that billion dollars. We're going to give you a discount. Instead of a billion, it's only going to be 300 million. Is that okay? We'll cut it by 70%. Well, you know, Holder and Obama and Biden, they don't care. That's taxpayer money. They'll give taxpayer money away left and right. That's what they do. It's what happened back in the two Obama terms in office and it's happening in this term in office with Joe Biden but it didn't stop there they put restrictions on how that 300 million had to be paid and you know how they did it they said look here's what we're going to do if you'll agree to these terms we'll cut it 70% you only pay 300 instead of a billion so what you do is of the 300 here's a list of 501c3, you know, those tax-exempt entities here across the United States, which we like to give them support because they're helping Americans. They're doing great work for everybody. But if you'll give this amount to this one, this amount to this one, this amount to this one, and this amount to this one, then we'll waive all that other $700 million. Well, what were those entities that they were giving to? 501c3, so the banks and big companies got because they're charitable organizations. They got to write them off. So you get popped for a billion dollars. The government cuts a deal with you and lets you get out of 70% of it, so you're only going to have to pay $300 million. But, oh, by the way, when you pay that, half of that, you're going to pay and get it tax refunded because it's to a charitable organization. They were all political arms of various political entities, far left, Obama-backed entities. Some of them he even had them created. 
and is using today after he's out of office. You got that for free. What about back down at the southern border? Senate Democrats are really working hard on two bills right now. One we talked about to open the show, the big voting bill that they say will be voted on tomorrow, probably, in my opinion, not tomorrow, the next day or Thursday. Um, And the second one is infrastructure. Well, according to the Miami Herald, Senator Bob Menendez, who's a Democrat from New Jersey, he has very quietly gone to Vice President Kamala Harris to get behind a plan by Senate Democrats that would put amnesty provisions for illegals, full amnesty, as part of the infrastructure bill. Here's what the story says. Miami Herald. Senator Bob Menendez pressed Vice President Kamala Harris in a private meeting this week to include a pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants in legislation that includes the Biden administration's infrastructure proposal. Menendez, who was a lead sponsor in Congress of President Biden's immigration agenda, made a big push to Kamala Harris on Tuesday, which includes the citizenship measure in emerging infrastructure legislation. Now, that's according to somebody who was in the meeting. A spokesperson for the New Jersey Democrat confirmed that characterization. Menendez would like to see it look like this. Lawmakers in Biden decide how to move forward and exactly how to roll it out, but he wants it in the bill. The Associated Press reported that Bernie Sanders and Senate Democrats of the Senate Budget Committee are working on a plan that would include giving amnesty to these illegal aliens enrolled and eligible for the DACA program. That's the DACA program. That's a group of those kids that were brought to the U.S. Their parents were illegal. The kids came here and grew up, and they're still here, and they're not allowed to become citizens. They want to give them a pathway to citizenship. Also, illegal aliens considered essential to the American economy. Now, can you imagine? Democrats want as many illegals as they can possibly fit through the southern border. They want them here to turn them into Democrat voters. How difficult would it be for them to determine that most of them, if not all of them, were really essential and give them that pathway to immigration, uh, illegal, uh, legal immigration, and then illegal aliens enrolled in the temporary protected status? Senator Alex Padilla of California said, I'm optimistic. Last month... Forward.us, that's a 501c3, folks, hired a former assistant Senate parliamentarian to craft a plan for Democrats that would pass amnesty for illegals through a little-known reconciliation rule. Democrats have the support of a large amnesty coalition that's led by former President George W. Bush the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the Business Roundtable, and a number of Koch Brothers-backed organizations. Already, current immigration level puts downward pressure on U.S. wages while redistributing about $500 billion in wealth away from America's working and middle class towards employers 
and new arrivals. Now, folks, those numbers are real. That's according to the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. $500 billion. Peer-reviewed research economist Christoph Albert acknowledges as immigrants accept lower immigrants accept lower wages, they are preferably chosen by firms and therefore have higher job finding rates than natives, consistent with the evidence found in U.S. data. Every year, right now today, over a million legal immigrants are given green cards to permanently resettle here. On top of that, 1.4 are given visas to take American jobs while hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens enter the United States annually. That's going on right now. Yeah, it's not at the southern border, but this is another huge way that the Democrats, they put these massive thousand-plus page bills out there, and they call it to the media. They give it a name, like infrastructure. But when you begin to break down the contents of it, you see very quickly it is hardly infrastructure at all. There's some tagged in it, but three-fourths of this one, the one that's S2 at the Senate right now, three-fourths of it has nothing to do with U.S. infrastructure stuff. It's all about givebacks, things they want to give away, things they want to use to entice people to come aboard the leftist causes and support them willy-nilly. Wow. And then here we go, we have crime in America is through the roof, and it's only getting worse. I mean, every weekend, all you got to do late Sunday night, early Monday morning, just go through and scan the news. Look at the shootings and the deaths that happened during the previous weekend especially in places like Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle and Portland. Chicago, really Chicago, that's the worst of all. Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, even Atlanta, Georgia. Every weekend, people are dying left and right. And yeah, most of them are getting shot. And of course, that just adds fuel to the screams and cries to take away the rights to hold and bear arms guaranteed to us all by the Second Amendment of the Constitution. They never tell us about the guns that were used to kill these people. They never tell us about the guns. Local, state, national media never give a report. They'll give names. They'll show pictures. But they never say anything about the guns. Why is that? You know why? More than 96% of the shootings that happen in America today over the last two years more than 96 of those happened using illegal guns. So what, what does that mean, Dan? All it means is this. Gun laws don't apply to anybody but legally gun owners that have gone through the legal process to buy a gun and own a gun. All any other gun litigation, any other kind of laws are not going to impact the illegal guns that are being used in 96% of these incidents. It's going to give them a green light to even get a bigger percentage. They're always going to get the guns that they want to use to do their evil deeds. 
and those that have criminal records, they can't go go to Dick's Sporting Goods or Academy and buy a gun and go through a background check, an FBI background check, before they can take it out of the store. They won't do that because they couldn't pass it. So they buy them out of somebody's trunk. You know, somebody that went and broke in a house and stole a gun safe full of guns and they ship them around the nation and sell them illegally. Selling them is illegal. Owning them, having them is illegal. But they don't talk about that. We've got to think about their whole process. So what are we going to do about violent crime? Well, we're going to take away guns and then we're going to defund the police. The police are out there destroying us. They're killing African-Americans. They're going hunting vigilante style and shooting young African-American men just because of their skin color. All of that could not be further from the, the truth. Simple concept, folks. Support the rule of law. Enforce every law on the books. Don't like the law on the books. Change the law on the books. Can't change them. We can't get consensus from conservatives that are in these legislatures. They won't agree with the policies. They're in the tank. They hate minorities, so they don't want to protect minorities by taking guns off the street. No, 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 no. That is the representative republic slash democratic idea. If the legislatures won't pass the legislation, they're representing the will of the people that they represent, right? So everybody back home, if it's in a state, like in my state, if it's not Baton Rouge, if it's in Shreveport or New Orleans, the people that represent the people in Shreveport and New Orleans and Monroe and Lake Charles and Alexandria, they all go to Baton Rouge to look and listen and read legislation to debate it, discuss it, and vote for the will of the people they represent, yay or nay. Well, that's not good enough for Democrats. Anybody that goes against them is wrong, period. And, of course, anything that Democrats in government do is absolutely the very best thing that can be done for the people there. And if you say it's not, you're dead wrong. You're evil, and they're going to come after you. No, folks. The reason laws aren't changed is because of the will of people is not to change those laws. And so down in Atlanta, we don't hear much about it because it's not New York, it's not Chicago, it's not San Francisco, L.A., you know, the big, 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 big cities. But Atlanta's a big city, a lot of people that live there. And Fulton County, which is the county that encompasses most of the city of Atlanta, um, it's very, very percentage-wise African-American. Atlanta's mayor is African-American, and she's been on top of this crime wave for the last two or three years that's been there. And just like the other big cities, folks, it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and people are looking for the problem, trying to understand what's going on. Well... You know, in the background, the 900-pound gorilla in the room is they're demeaning their police forces. They're shackling their policemen that are out on duty. There's more crime ramping up, and they're letting policemen leave, retire, quit because of their disenfranchisement by governments, and the sentiments of the nation are cops are bad, cops are bad. People don't want to become a cop like they used to. I mean, it used to be a really... Great job to have. Think about it. Public servants, firemen, police force. 
No longer is it that way because the narrative has been painted, is being perpetuated, and is being heightened because leaders in this nation, Democrat leaders in this nation, are in the tank attacking law enforcement from every level. So over the weekend, the Atlanta mayor, she went public and had a conversation about what and why is happening in Atlanta. You're going to love the reasoning she gives for the crime way as it just grows and grows in Atlanta, Georgia. We are seeing this disturbing spike in crime. It's happening across the country, but it is definitely happening in your city. Homicides at the highest level in 20 years, and we're going into a summer hot weekend. It could be very bad. What are you doing about it? You're absolutely right. Unfortunately, this is a spike that we're not just seeing in Atlanta. We are seeing it across the country. I'm talking to mayors in major cities, in cities really big and small, and we are all grappling with the same issues. In Atlanta specifically, we have really put a push towards getting our young people to work. This summer, our schools were closed by and large for the entire school year, and there is the mental health piece as well. So uh, President Joe Biden and the American Rescue Plan set aside $5 billion towards violence prevention programs. You've called this a COVID crime wave, but killings are up 50% from before COVID. Where is this coming from? Well, I think there are a couple of things that you have to compare. Remember, in Georgia, we were open up before the rest of the country, even before the CDC said that it was safe for us to open. Uh, so our nightclubs and our bars remain open. We had people traveling here from across the country to party in our city. Uh, so we believe our comparable numbers are from 2019, which they are still up. I am very proud of the work that we've done in Atlanta, and I can hold my head up high. And as I contemplate the next season of my life, I know that I'll pass the baton on uh, to someone else who can continue the work that we've done on behalf of our communities. You can bet she's going to pass that baton on because she is going to be voted out of office, principally because of the massive crime that just continues to happen and grow. I mean, really, really grow on her watch. And she, you notice, very carefully embedded the thought in there that the reason crime is what it is in Atlanta, it's not so much. It's in part at the hands of COVID and all the stuff that happened during COVID in big cities especially. But it's because Republicans opened all of our bars and restaurants way too soon Republicans, by doing that, caused the crime to go up significantly in Atlanta. Of course, as usual, no evidence, offered no substance, no proof, just lobbed this out in the marketplace of ideas. Kind of like Congresswoman Maxine Waters did, we told you later, and I read her exact words when she's pointing at the January 6th Capitol riot and We know Donald Trump. We know the Trump campaign. They're the ones that incited and funded all this. It's a pattern of the left. It's a pattern of of people who don't think through, and they don't think anybody listening and watching is intelligent enough to do that. Think through. Find facts. Verify. Americans don't do that in far too big a part. 
And that's very, very critical in what we're dealing with in our nation right now. It's not getting better, folks. And when I talk about it, I'm talking about things that are happening. Criminality, incidents of all kinds of violence and law-breaking. It's not getting better. It's not staying the same. And I don't think it wears a political party tag, a T-shirt. I don't think anybody's got on a MAGA hat. I don't think anybody's got on any BLM hats. There are those. There are some of both. But it's not that that is causing all this to happen. In my humble opinion, and I have no questions about this, I'm 100% confident, it is because leaders in America have turned their backs on the rule of law. And they and we have been told for generations the number one thing that makes America different from every other country on earth is the fact that we have a unified single constitution with laws that were crafted and have been amended through the processes implemented in the constitution 260 years ago that we stick to that. And as times change and circumstances dictate it, there's an amendment process that has been used 26 times to make alterations in the U.S. Constitution. And everybody historically has signed on. Literally, folks, everybody serving. The 535 men and women in the U.S. Constitution, the president, the vice president of the United States all took an oath to serve and protect, to protect the U.S. Constitution and preserve, protect and preserve. And they're walking away from it. They're absolutely walking away from it, turning their noses. And then everybody with sense knew if you tackle criminal support here, in other words, law enforcement support to stop criminality, if you tackle it and demean it in a negative way, people in leadership do that. They say that. They support that. That all filters down into the citizenry and everybody out on the street that are already thinking criminality is something they accept is okay all that does is it ramps up their belief of that their trust that they're not going to pay a price for that criminality those people are just going to do what they've done before but they've been much more careful and didn't do it as often because they feared the consequences if there are no consequences to fear there's no need to even think about not doing it and you just heard the mayor. She blamed it totally, not on COVID. I mean, she even took it away from COVID. To me, that would be the easy ploy. Blame it on COVID. I didn't have anything to do with COVID. COVID came in here and it just did it. But no, 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 no. She couldn't leave it there. It's because Republicans opened up our city way before they should. And she's not talking about their city. She's talking about Brian Kern, Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. He's a Republican, of course. All Republicans are evil. Hey, folks. Got some big news about President Biden. Some big news about the cognitive abilities of President Biden. Some very brilliant and very intellectual observers are weighing in. That's right after this at TNN Live. (music) 
Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless sleep blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN. I'm just beginning to wonder now, is the tsunami, I agree we have a tsunami of ignorance in the U.S., but I wonder what side of the citizenry that falls primarily down on. Is it on the part of the left, the Democrats and their followers? Or is it because the ignorance of the people who are conservatives that aren't saying anything, that aren't speaking out, that aren't taking action to try to change things? Is that happening from fear? Or is that happening from ignorance? That's a good question. James Posey just dropped a text in here. He's another one of the faithful followers at Truth News Network who won't pick up the phone and call. Everybody's just scared of me, folks. <laughs> They're afraid I'll get them on air. No, James is he's a great musician, a great drummer. We've, we've been friends, actually played together many, many years ago for a long time. Uh, he's a conservative, and he just made a point that I've thought about but never really expressed it. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Let me read it verbatim. I'm going to do this. I want to quote James, big James. Where'd you go, James? Where'd you go? Here we go. He said, ah. I turned to read off my iPad screen and my uh, headphones got next to the microphone. Wouldn't it be great, he said, if when the political people announced that they were investing billions or millions of dollars into something, wouldn't it be great if they were required to say, quote, we're investing billions of taxpayers' money? <laughs> and my, my reply is, yeah, but they'll never admit it. 
It'd be great, but they would never come out and say that. They wouldn't agree to do it. There's no question. You know, it's not it's not our money. It's not our money. It's the government's money. You know, we gave it to them. We sent in our tax dollars, and they're empowered to do whatever they want to do with our tax dollars. That's the truth. But it's not the truth that it's their money. The truth is, it's our money, and they're supposed to constitutionally and by the rule of law and by their oaths of office, they're supposed to do it subject to the law. And they don't do much of that, do they? Well, we hadn't talked about Sleepy Joe much today. Over the weekend, some stuff came out that was kind of shocking to me. Former White House doctor, who was the White House doctor for Obama, for Trump, Ronnie Jones. He's now a congressman. He came out over the weekend with some news and some information. But before we get to that, I want you to hear what our friends down under, the people that live in other countries that are compadres of the United States, there are allies militarily and in government and people there, they relate to us. We're close friends. We're kissing cousins or whatever you want to call it. Australia, Sky News, once again, a great synopsis, a great look-see into stuff going on with Joe Biden that we've noticed You've noticed Americans are talking about it. Nobody's getting out there saying, hey, buddy, we better do something and do it quick. I think we're not far away from that. But down at Sky News, because this is not their president but ours, I wanted you to hear one news report and an analysis. And then we're going to listen to that doctor I just talked to you about. But I want to start with something that Chris Smith touched on on this program last night. The Joe Biden gaffes, the stumbles, the confusion, they just continue and they get worse. Seriously, his staff probably can't wait to get him home to bed in the White House. But before he does that, the president has to go face to face with Russian President Vladimir Putin, which is a big worry given what I'm about to show you. And believe me, most of the media just doesn't show you this stuff. Now, some of these clips are a bit long, but I want you to get a proper sense of what's going on here, a proper sense of how the US president is handling it. First up, top of the agenda between Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin ought to be Syria. But in the lead up, the US president seems to confuse that country with Libya. Um, we could work together with Russia, for example, uh, in, uh, in Libya. We should be opening up the, 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 the passes to be able to go through and provide uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assistance, I mean, vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. I think I'm going to try very much hard to, uh, it, it is, and by the way, there's places where, I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here, but let me say it this way. Russia has engaged in activities which are, we believe are contrary to international norms. But they have also um, uh, bitten off some real problems they're going to have trouble chewing on. And, for example, the rebuilding of, uh, of, uh, of Syria, of, uh, of Libya, of, you know, this is, they're there. 
And as long as they're there without the ability to bring about some order in the, in the region, and you can't do that very well without providing for the basic economic needs of people. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people in, for example, in, uh, in Libya. Libya or Syria? Does he know? Wow. Putin must be trembling in his boots, hey, on the eve of this summit. We seem to have gone from Russian collusion to Russian delusion because just have a listen to how Joe Biden responds to this question about, his, about how, exactly how he's described Vladimir Putin in the past. In a weekend interview, Vladimir Putin laughed at the suggestion that you had called him a killer. Is that still your belief, sir, that he is a killer? And I'll continue the trend if you don't mind of asking a second question. Do you believe if he does agree to cooperate, then what kind of a challenge do you find yourself in? How would you ever trust him? And if Ronald Reagan said trust but verify, what do you say to Vladimir Putin? <laughs> Answer the first question. <laughs> I'm laughing, too. They actually, I... Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that uh, uh, this pause is real. This was a pause when he said this. The answer is, I believe he is in the past essentially acknowledged that he was uh, there are certain things that he would do or did do. But look, um, when I was asked that question on air, I answered it honestly. But it's not much of a I, I, I don't think it matters a whole lot in terms of this next meeting we're about to have. Whoa, if you could just draw all that together, I guess he's saying, yeah, he is a killer, but that doesn't matter now. See, it's more than awkward, isn't it? I said before the election that the Biden campaign had all the hallmarks of a weekend at Bernie's effort. Now he leads the free world. Biden has the opposite problem to Donald Trump. Trump refused to stay on script and was too blunt for many people, especially in diplomacy. Biden can only work by reading a script. Once he wanders off on his own, no one knows where he's going to end up. It's a worry for the US, for you and me, but not for Putin. <laughs> Vladimir Putin certainly isn't worried about Joe Biden right now. I think after the summit, it's pretty obvious Putin's got Biden under his arm. There's no question about it. Um, you know, the, the, the stuff that we told you about on Friday, that as of March of this year, all of a sudden, from October last year, month before the election, to March of this year, the United States went from the first time in 20 years being energy independent, October last year, under Donald Trump. March this year, as of March, Russia has become the th number three provider of oil to the United States. We weren't getting oil from them in October of last year. And all of a sudden, they're number three. Vladimir Putin's got Joe Biden in his pocket, folks. I promise you. Now, that was Sky News looking at our president and kind of analyzing his cognitive situation. Do you remember back during the beginning, probably even before the uh, Russia collusion thing began, uh, 
reporters began to demand Donald Trump take a cognitive test because it looks like he's lost it. You know, the things he's doing, the the way he approaches people in conversations, even with our foreign leaders, he doesn't have the mental capability to be president of the United States. And so he did. He took one. And Ronnie Jackson, who was White House physician, gave it to him. And guess what? Everything on the—and they released the results. Everything on the test, Donald Trump passed it with flying colors. Nobody's saying anything about Joe Biden up there and his problems. The gaffes that our friend from down under just explained and pointed out to us that we are listening to here in the U.S. every day. I mean, it never stops. We hear them all the time. And every time I see it, I, first of all, I feel sorry for the man. Anybody that can't put sentences together, that can't complete, uh, complete thoughts, can't complete a sentence many times and forgets where he is, literally, physically where he is, sometimes forgets who he is. And who's his vice president many times? And we could go on and on and on. Well, the former Trump and Obama White House physician, Ronnie Jackson, who's now in Congress, he actually sent a letter requesting that Joe Biden do two things. Take a cognitive test, even the same one that Trump took. And two, release the results to the American people. Well, it seems Joe Biden's state of mind continues to make headlines after Congressman Ronnie Jackson sent a letter to the president asking him to document and demonstrate sound mental abilities. But Ronnie Jackson isn't just a congressman. He is the former physician to the president from 2013 until 2018 under both Barack Obama and Donald Trump. The letter states... The American people should have absolute confidence in their president. They deserve to know that he or she can perform the duties of head of state and commander-in-chief. They deserve full transparency on the mental capabilities of their highest elected leader. To achieve this, we urge you to submit to a cognitive test immediately. Unfortunately, your forgetfulness and cognitive difficulties have been prominently on display over the past year. The letter details a few occasions where the president has struggled. Some of those examples listed include forgetting the name of the Pentagon and the Department of Defense, misidentifying the time of day while in Houston visiting the winter storm damage, and forgetting a phrase in the Declaration of Independence in March 2020. It points out that Joe Biden did agree to let the American people judge his mental and physical fitness while campaigning last year. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know, I, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I don't. I, I probably shouldn't say. Anyway, I am. Uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical, and mental, fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness, and uh, to uh, you know to make a judgment about who I am and what, what state of affairs I have, what, what kind of physical shape I'm in, what kind of mental shape I'm in. Congressman Jackson writes that Donald Trump conducted a cognitive test in 2018 after political opponents and members of the media clamoured for him to do so. He notes that Trump excelled in it. Doubts around President Biden's mental fitness is not a new notion. He was nicknamed Sleepy Joe Biden during 2020 and on numerous occasions has been the subject of gaffes during press conferences. The letter ends with, We encourage you to follow the example set by President Trump by undergoing a cognitive test as soon as possible and immediately making the results available for the American people. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. 
breath. I'm waiting for anybody in the media to demand that Joe Biden take a cognitive test. And I can hold my breath till I can't hold it anymore. And I pass out. They're not going to ask for that. They're not going to demand that. They're not going to do that. It's common knowledge. Joe Biden has cognitive problems. They're going to continue to ride that boat I'm calling Biden a boat now, they being the Democrat. They're going to ride that as long as they can until they have to make a change. And, of course, they have the best possible replacement for Joe Biden sitting in the wings. Vice President Kamala Harris. She is the person, right? She's the one. Well, there's some cries coming out right now. Not for Biden to take a cognitive test. But more than 50 House Republican lawmakers have called on President Biden to relieve Vice President Kamala Harris of her duties in handling the U.S.-Mexico border crisis. I mean, she won't even go down there. She makes it very clear she doesn't want to go down there because she doesn't want to deal with the border crisis. She's handling the diplomatic conversations between leaders of those foreign countries, which, according to her, or the sources, the roots of what's happening in Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California at their southern borders. Republicans have, like pretty much everybody for months, noted that VP Harris hasn't yet visited the border. Some lawmakers, Democrat lawmakers, who represent areas along the border, like Democrat Representative Henry Cuellar of Texas, have called on the vice president to take more action, (laughs) take more action, take some action, including a visit. Representative Glenn Grothman from Wisconsin, a Republican, and 55 other Republicans in the House are demanding Harris be removed from the border czar assignment, citing recent customs and border protection data that shows 180,000 people were caught last month after crossing the border illegally, 180,000. It's estimated a quarter of a million of others got in. Despite being in the middle of a border crisis this country has not seen in two decades, VP Harris has not yet shown adequate interest in observing this crisis firsthand. That's from the letter these 50 lawmakers, 55 plus one, wrote. In the 85 days since the VP has been tasked with solving the crisis, she's yet to visit the border and meet with Border Patrol agents, ICE agents, and local law enforcement people. Harris, of course, has defended not going to the border and said she's going to go there sometime in the future. When she went to Mexico and Guatemala earlier this month, she said the root causes of this illegal immigration probably should be addressed. However... Her explanation to reporters down in Mexico about why she hasn't gone to the border, that took top headline news in her trip. They weren't talking about anything she said because what she was doing down there was trying to blame something that is not the cause of our crisis at the southern border. The presidents of El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, and Mexico have all come out and said the Joe Biden administration is the cause, the root cause of your problem at your southern border. 
down in Mexico when she was talking to reporters. She said it would be very easy to say, we'll travel to one place and therefore it's solved. I don't think anybody thinks that that would be the solution, she said. So when she was pressed about going back to the border, she said she did so when she was a senator from California. Harris also said their mission primarily is diplomatic work focused on the Northern Triangle, countries of Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, as well as Mexico. And so we played here for you last week a conversation in a hearing between Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas and Representative Ralph Norman, who's a Republican from South Carolina, Mayorkas said questions about Harris not having been to the border are quite unfair and disrespectful. Representative Norman was one of the signatories of that letter we just told you about. Secretary Mayorkas said, let me be very clear. The president and the vice president have requested and directed me to visit the border, which I've done on multiple occasions. Representative Cuellar from Texas, he's become the most vocal Democrat in the House about the crisis down south. Last week, he wrote a letter to VP Harris requesting she meet with him and visit the border. But he later told Fox News, hadn't heard back from her. (laughs) No surprise. His letter said to Kamala Harris, I encourage you to join me and other members of Congress while we visit with the people on the ground who deal with these issues every day. I believe it's critical that you meet with local stakeholders and residents, consider their concerns, and use their lived experiences to implement more effective policies. And since that news has come out on multiple news sources, White House, crickets, crickets, crickets. And we addressed the lawlessness around the nation when you heard from Atlanta's mayor who blamed it on Republicans for reopening governments and private businesses faster than they were supposed to. Well, guess what's happened in the Big Apple? After New York descended into widespread looting and vandalism last year, it was like every week, the Bronx DA dropped charges against a majority of those arrested that were rioting. NYPD data shows 118 arrests were made in the Bronx, just the Bronx. The Bronx, if you don't know how Manhattan's laid out, it's up on, it's north of the good part of Manhattan. It's up on the northeast side. It's way up there. I mean, when you when you go to and stay midtown or down on the south part of Manhattan, it takes you a while to get up way up north to the Bronx. That's where Yankee Stadium is. And that's where, during June last year, that's where most of the looting and the violence was happening. Since then, the NYPD and the courts have dismissed most of those cases, 73 in all. In other words, they arrested 118 for rioting, for violence, and they've dropped 73 of those cases. 18 cases are still open. There have been 19 convictions for mostly lesser counts, like trespassing, which carry no jail time. But then in Manhattan, the NYPD data shows there were 485 arrests. Of those folks, Almost half were dropped, 222. 73 ended up in convictions for some more or lesser accounts like trespassing, no jail time. 
Another 40 cases involved juveniles were sent to family court. Only 128 cases are still open. Now, former NYPD Chief of Patrol Wilbur Chapman, he went public with this disagreement with the DAs dropping those cases. If they are so overworked that they can't handle the mission that they're hired for, then maybe they should find another job. He's talking about the DA's office. Sources with the DA's offices reportedly said the outlet that evidence in some instances was not strong enough for proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And because the courts were closed during the pandemic, there was a big backlog of cases. So they just started dropping cases. People that were pillaging, looting, stealing, vandalizing. They got away with nothing, folks, not even a slap on the wrist. But that's what it looks like when governments choose to ignore the rule of law where they are. And that's a really sad thing, but it is becoming more and more and more common around the United States. Now, we've talked here exhaustively. You've heard from Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot on a number of issues, almost all centering around the rapid and horribly rising lawlessness, shootings and murders in her city, Chicago. But she's got another big problem this week. It actually started last week. The Chicago Bears are talking about moving from Soldier Field out to Arlington Heights, about 32 miles away from downtown Chicago. Now, I'm a huge football fan. Most of you know that. I've been to Chicago a bunch. In fact, that's where the Arena Football League's headquarters were. I was up there all the time for board meetings, um, all kinds of events. And as much as I've been there, I never went to a game at Soldier Field. It's one of the most historical stadiums in the National Football League. So Mayor Lightfoot is a self-declared longtime Bears fan. And she came out, issued a statement slamming the announcement of Chicago Bears administration actually negotiating for the possible relocation of the Chicago Bears to Arlington Heights. She called it just noise. She released a little... Uh, press release. The Bears are locked into a lease at Soldier Field until 2033, she said. In addition, this announcement from the Bears comes in the middle of negotiations for improvements at Soldier Field. This is clearly a negotiating tactic that the Bears have used before. As a season ticket holder and longtime Bears fan, I'm committed to keeping the Chicago name in our football team. And then she finished with this. This is typical of a leftist politician going after a private corporation. Quote, like most Bear fans, we want the organization to focus on putting a winning football team on the field, beating the Packers finally, and being relevant past the month of October. In other words, they don't make the playoffs very often. Everything else is just noise. <laughs> President and CEO of the Bears, Ted Phillips, put out a statement Thursday last week confirming their bid for Arlington International Racecourse property, which sits 35 miles outside of Chicago. He said this, It's our obligation to explore every possible option 
to ensure we're doing what's best for our organization in its future. If selected, this step allows us to further evaluate the property and its potential. Now, this is a subject, and I'll just say a few words and finish up. I'm familiar with um, the Arena Football League, which I was a part of as a team owner. Um, we had like six or seven teams in our league that were owned by NFL teams in their major markets, like Dallas and San Francisco, San Jose, and Chicago, and New York, and Philadelphia, and other places, Atlanta. And so I interfaced with some of these owners. Let me just tell you this. The NFL and its operations, it's not about the game of football, folks. It's a tool. The game of football is a tool for some very wealthy people to get even very much wealthier. And that doesn't mean just owners. It means people that are directly involved with the NFL game, almost to a person, make a lot of money. NFL football teams make a billion dollars a year. Profit. How do you do that? Well, it's the whole thing. The biggest way, the biggest source of revenue is, of course, television contracts, major network contracts, multi-year, billion-dollar contracts that are split among the teams. And, of course, people don't forget there's a brand-new labor union collective bargaining agreement in place that just went into place and that means the players and it directs and and it puts in codifies in contract form the revenue that goes to the players to pay for salaries and all their benefits did you know and I'm going to tell you something that will blow your mind did you know that under this new collective bargaining agreement of the total revenue that teams bring in I'm talking about revenue I'm not talking about profits I'm talking about after all the bills are paid. Players receive more than half of what comes in the front door for these NFL teams. So why are you saying that, Dan? The Bears, where they're located in downtown New York, it's not really conducive to bringing in a lot of business other than the games themselves. Around the United States where all these big-time NFL stadiums are being built in great locations, facilities change, much more involved in the facilities than just the game of football and game day stuff. Places like Las Vegas, Los Angeles, uh, Atlanta just moved to their new stadium. San Francisco, Levi Stadium, they're not even in San Francisco anymore. They're a little south of there in Santa Clara. It's not just so much the stadium itself and tickets and uh, memorabilia and concessions and parking and all that. It's not, it's not that. It's the overall package that is put together is nothing but a massive money machine. I'm going to tell you this. Somehow, Chicago is going to lose something. The city of Chicago is going to lose something. If they don't lose the Chicago Bears from Soldier Field through all this, if they stay, you can book it. The Bears are going to cut a deal with the city of Chicago, and that lease she claimed they had through 2033, it's going to be edited. (laughs) I promise you. 
and I'm with her. I would love for the Bears to beat Green Bay just one time every other year or so so they could hold on to some of that great Chicago winning history, the Bears. And I like Green Bay too, just saying. Have you heard what crept out of the state of Georgia in news regarding election stuff on Friday? Now, this is the epicenter of all of the controversy about voter and election stuff since November last year. The Secretary of State who runs elections there, he's been under siege. He very quietly says, listen to this, I can't believe they released this on Friday. Well, they waited till Friday afternoon till most of the big news outlets is shut down. But he said they're set to remove roughly 100,000 names from the state's voter rolls. And that will be the first major voting list maintenance following the 2020 election. And most of these voter roll adjustments and stuff, they're written into voter laws in every state. In other words, there's a requirement. You've got to go in periodically, you being the secretaries of state, and make sure that the people that are on the voter rolls, first of all, are legitimate and legally on the voter rolls. They are, they are eligible and all that kind of stuff, but that they're still alive, that they're still living at the addresses that their address shows in their voter registration. And there are processes that are put in place that determine exactly how you purge those voter rolls under law so that nobody gets kicked off. The names in Georgia are being removed because of a national change of address form that is sent or written and enrolled and submitted at U.S. post offices around Georgia. Election mail being sent to them bouncing back, or they haven't had contact with elections officials for at least five years. Making sure Georgia's voter rules are up to date is key to getting this integrity of our elections. That's according to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. And I'm sure Stacey Abrams in Georgia is going absolutely bonkers about this. But that's going to wrap it up here today. Now look, we're starting the week. Got a bunch of stuff going on. I know your week is full or whatever. I want you to leave this show and I want you to leave on a high note. So I want you to go out today remembering we're going to be back here at 9 o'clock Central in the morning and want you to join us every Monday through Friday. I want you to remember you can go grab a show off iTunes podcast. It'll be up in less than 30 minutes after this show's go off the air is there or also at Spotify, the same thing, Spotify podcast. Just go to the podcast headquarters at Apple or Spotify and in the search section put TNN Live. Bam, you got it right there. But I want you to leave happy. So let's whistle a little together and tap our toes. One of the best songs in the last decade, folks. I love this. Can't stop the feeling. See you tomorrow. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. All from my city, all from my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off it. Moving so phenomenally. You more like the way we rock it. So don't stop. And under the lights when everything goes. Nowhere to hide when I'm getting you close. When we move
Keep dancing. 